0: In this episode of the business of e-commerce, I talk with Tom Cassano about how to use SEO to get more traffic to your e-commerce site. This is the business of e-commerce episode 52. Welcome to the business of e-commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start launch and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host Charles Plesky. And I'm here today with Tom Cassano. Tom is an SEO strategist and the host of the Shore Oak podcast. I've asked Tom on the show today to talk about how you can use SEO to get more traffic to your website and hopefully customers and to help grow your e-commerce site. So, Hey Tom, how are you doing today? Good Charles. How are you doing? I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Great having you. um, SEO is a great topic in e-commerce. So I always, uh, I think I have a bunch of good questions that I'm even curious about. So, Definitely. Um, so first, just a little bit about yourself, your SEO strategist or what yeah. Exactly you do?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I've been practicing SEO for quite some time now and I've learned a lot basically by uh, learning from others, right? Because there's no college degree in SEO. So everything you learn, uh, you have to be, you know, primarily self taught and learn from others. And then also through experimentation and doing things that experts said, oh, you know, you do X and then it's gonna help you rank higher and get more traffic than do X and I wouldn't get the results. So a lot through the school of hard knocks and the uh, process of elimination as well to drive results because ultimately what anyone wants is to get more traffic to their site, uh, get more customers, grow their business.
0: Yep. And I feel like SEO, there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of kind of things around it. Um, the first thing you you hear all the time right now is, isn't SEO dead? And is that true or? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of myths. It's, it's a weird space. You know, Google's algorithm
1: is a black box because the more people know about it, then the more people try to manipulate it. And you know, that's what Google has been battling for the last two decades is all kinds of spam and people trying to manipulate the rankings in terms of SEO being dead or alive. SEO is very much alive. Uh, if you have a website, uh, and you look over the last several years of how much traffic it's getting, um, you know, unless of course, you know, I don't know, there was like a penalty or some other change to the site. Um, I've seen, you know, the the traffic and the, the amount of search volume to Google uh, basically continue to grow over time. The change has been that Google is starting to give answers in the search results page itself, which means that not as frequently will be people be clicking on those search results and becoming traffic to your website. Um, So that's been posing a challenge, uh, certainly going forward for people that have been using SEO to get traffic to their website. Uh, And then you have things like voice search, which is at the time of our recording now, it's still very early, um, but maybe two, three, four years from now, uh, things might pick up where people are searching by voice, not by you know, on their, let's say like typing on their mobile phone or on their desktops rather than visiting a website. uh, So things are definitely evolving. But fortunately, it's slow enough that, you know, into 2019, into 2020, it very much matters. And, and, you know, I've seen e-commerce sites get ridiculous amounts of traffic from SEO. Uh, We could talk more about that. But, um, yeah, that's definitely something we hear. SEO is dead.
0: Yeah, I feel like you keep hearing that all the time. And then you see some contradictory post of someone who's getting 90 percent of their business through SEO. And, you know, for every one person who says it to someone else, it goes the other way. Um, Because you hear a lot now of you know, um, social ads, that sort of thing, um, influencers, things like that. Um, but for every one of those, you also hear a still of someone that's surely SEO based.
1: Well, I mean, SEO has died like a hundred times, you know, (laughs) every, I don't know how many times a year. Someone says SEO is dead and has been said for years and it doesn't die. I mean, it's the kind of thing that if you look at 10 years from now, it could be vastly different or, you know, like way smaller proportion than what it is today. I mean, things are definitely gonna change and evolve. And you can say that about almost everything. I mean, you know, Facebook ads or who knows what in 10 years things will look like. But for the, the next foreseeable years, it's certain, it's, and even today it's not dead, it's changing, it's evolving, um, but you know, it's, it's fun and I get it, right? It's like, there's a lot of uncertainty, like what will it be like and will it matter? Especially if you're getting traffic today or you're thinking about investing today to get more traffic tomorrow, you know, figuratively speaking, not literally tomorrow, uh,
0: you know, you want to think about those things. So, so I guess that's a good question right there on what are the things that, cause the SEO itself doesn't die, but the tactics do right on, there are some specific things that, um, we we're talking before the show of like spammy backlinks, that sort of thing where years ago you could just get backlinks from these like nonsense sites, you would rank well and that you would do great. That's come and gone. What are the things where right now you see, like what, what are some things that are right now are still working or the best practices today that you should be doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, if you want to think of it from a, from a high level, uh, you could think broadly about what Google is ultimately trying to do is give the best results to their users and help their users find what they're looking for. So if you can help Google do that, you're going to be optimizing and you're going to be doing an SEO in a way that should be sustainable and durable for the long term. Um, what happens is there's all these short term things because Google's algorithm, you know, like we understand that like, oh, if we get more backlinks, then, you know, we should uh, you know, be ranking higher in Google's algorithm and then people will, you know, have low quality backlinks and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> first and foremost, uh, you want to help satisfy user intent. That means if someone is searching Google for what is a dumbbell. Uh, you want to provide the best answer, what is a dumbbell? And you want to be very clear, uh, you want to have a good user experience, you want the page uh, to load quickly, uh, you want you know, the font size to be good, you want the answer to be authoritative and helpful and be in-depth. You want to be an authoritative, trustworthy resource for people looking for information. Of course, if it's e-commerce, right, then it's like people are looking to buy something. So then there's these other factors about user experience. How easy is it to navigate the site? How long do people stay on the site? Um, From uh, the perspective of ranking, there's uh, three ranking factors that are the most heavily weighted. Uh, One of those is authoritative and trustworthy backlinks to your site. We can talk more in depth about that. Another one is keyword research and optimization, so we want to make sure that um, we're, we really know what people are searching because, you know, in layman's terms, it's not always what we would think as a, <clears throat> whether you're a business owner or a marketer, uh, we might have our terms we're using and the rest of, or it's, it's interesting, like if, if I'm trying to do a SEO for a, a business in the UK, the terms are completely different. Uh, So we really need to get the data and understand how many searches per month are happening. And then once we do all that, we need to make sure we have pages on the site that exist that are targeting those keywords and that are optimized for those keywords in the title tag, in the URL, in the header tags, in those important pages, uh, important parts of the page, so that Google knows it's very optimized and very relevant. Um, The other I typically say is content. And again, content in an e-commerce word is a little... Um, might not always compute cause we're thinking, Oh, we have product pages. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, there's product descriptions. Maybe there's information about the product, but you're not writing like a, a you know, 2000 word piece of content, uh, on that kind of page. But I do believe that for e-commerce sites, content is still very valuable and can be very effective, especially if people are uh, searching things like, you know, uh, best computers 2019 or, um, best uh, anniversary gifts for women or you know, there's all kinds of these things and content actually can perform pretty well especially if your e-commerce site uh, or sorry especially if your competitors in the uh, in your niche are not creating that kind of content and then one of the last things I, I know i'm just kind of going all over the place but i think it's valuable to mention we can get into it more is if you're an e-commerce site and you have Uh, more than hundreds or thousands of pages, especially if they're being auto-generated technical SEO becomes highly important as well as um, duplicate content can be an issue. So if we're just pulling the product description from the manufacturer or that's being used on Amazon and like a whole bunch of other sites, well, we're not really differentiating our content. Therefore, um, you know, it's, it's a little, it's less unique and it will have a harder time ranking. Um, Along with that, there's, um and again, we can get very technical, um, as you know, Charles, or we, we could keep, stay high level and stay more basic, but uh, we also want to think about the, what's called the site architecture or the structure, meaning how are the pages um, higher, what's the hierarchy of the pages? Like you have the homepage at the top and that's linking down to other pages. And then how are, how are things structured across the site? Are there category pages within the categories? Maybe there's subcategories and there's those different product pages. And then how are they all linking together? Because Google uses the internal links of the site as well to get a, um, indicators or signals of which are the most important pages. So I, I just mentioned a lot there. Um, but SEO is complex. Google's algorithm is complex and it continues to get more and more sophisticated
0: as Google's technology gets more and more advanced. Yeah, I think that's a, so I just want to make sure I hit everything here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a few things. So point one was definitely the backlinks. Um, what was the second thing you just mentioned? Yeah. Second is the keyword research and optimization. I chunk into one thing. Yep. And then, the actual content. Yeah, the third, content, third, thing, yeah, the third thing is
1: content, but yeah. um, you know, for I, that's kind of my my usual uh, approach. But for e-commerce, it's kind of shifts, you know, because it's not primarily content. Things things are changing with uh, you know, if, if you're an e-commerce business, it's very different than if you're you know Huffington Post or uh, a software company or something like that. So. I said content, but then I was like, mm, "This might not be as relevant if you're an e." Econ- I mean, it is. Like, content certainly is important, but there's all these product pages, and anyone in this spiel about
0: product pages. Well, that—that's about the product pages, right? Because there's a couple different ways you can attack that whole content thing, um, or just at least approach that, where you are generating product pages, and some of these folks are doing drop shipping. They pull in descriptions, like you said, right from the manufacturer. Um, they might be—they might be one of hundreds of different people that have these pages, same images, same descriptions. They pretty much, it's the same page, just using a different platform. How do you actually, do you rewrite thousands of products? Do you put your own spin on it? Like what do you do to actually differentiate your pages from the other hundred people with the exact same product, same image, same everything? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Uh,
0: because the problem is, it becomes not
1: very scalable if you have thousands of product pages, and each one has a description of x number of words. And you so um, and I think a good starting place, and this is basically how I cut my teeth in SEO, is to do an experiment. Right? Take uh, and first, you have to know like uh, the keyword you're trying to rank that page for. Uh, you have to know uh, what the position on average has been. Like, let's say it's been in position fifteen. You know, and you know that. And how, so you how do you take find out ten, that? What? How do you? Yeah, that's a great question. Sorry. Uh, I just kind of assumed that. So there's lots of software that can track that for you and report that to you. Um, some of it, you know, I think there's, there's various ranges. Some of it might be a hundred dollars a month might seem like a lot to people. Some of it might be 10 or 20 or 30, $40 a month, but um, there's other ways to get the data that might not be as accurate, like uh, Google search console, which used to be called webmaster tools. Uh, but that it's not a very good indicator because it, it fluctuates. Another way to do it is to open an incognito window in your browser search for that keyword and just manually look at where you are. And that's probably the easiest way, right? Especially if there's three or five keywords you really care about, you know, you can be checking that as much as you want.
0: Incognito is the key there, right? Where um, it doesn't know who you are because if you log in with your Google account and it's your search, it tails the search to you. So you might look higher than you really are versus incognito. It's like a fresh view of the world every time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Google will personalize the search results because we all have our preferences. And if you ever seen in, this, in, the, in the results that'll say you visited the site like three times before. So, so you probably visited your site like a bajillion times before. So it's going to, you know, so yeah, incognito will, um, you know, won't use all that data. Those, those cookies are not logged in. Uh, there's localization as well, yes. uh, meaning. Yeah. yeah. If I'm sitting, if you're sitting in Boston, you do a you know, it's going to, you're going to see different results than I see here in New York. So that's something to consider. Uh, which in incognito, I don't think it will remove that. Or sometimes it might say, I want to know your location, but one way or another, you basically want to have a sense of like, where are you ranking for that? Keywords, you have a baseline. Then I would want to do an experiment and say, okay, let's take uh, you know, you have a control and a test group and, uh, let's take 10 or 20, let's rewrite a product description. Let's put our heart and soul into really coming up with something that's good for humans, right? Cause we're not just trying to fool or trick Google. Um, and Google's using user engagement signals. We want to make sure we're using the keyword we're trying to uh, rank for in that description. Uh, and let's see, you know, let's let's do ten or twenty pages and let's look uh, two weeks later, two months later, see if there's any impact or any change at all. Um, if you're a smaller site with like almost no traffic, uh, and you know we, we could take a look at the number of backlinks or some some metrics on um, how authoritative your site is based on the backlinks coming to it. Uh, we might see that it's you know a small site a new site not much traffic has very little backlinks or very little uh, what's called domain authority which is one of these metrics and so in that case you can do all the optimization in the world but if you don't have any authoritative links from other websites on the web you're like never going to rank higher because Google uses that as its number one trust and authority factor to rank your site so it's a we again Google's algorithm has all these different ranking factors which makes it relatively hard even to explain because I might say one thing, but it might not be relevant for another e-commerce site, right? If, if you have Amazon, you know, you can make any on-site, on page change and it could drastically affect its ability to rank because it probably has the highest domain authority of any e-commerce site on the web. I imagine. Um, Whereas, you know, if you have some teeny tiny site, uh, you could rewrite all the product descriptions and might do nothing, but you get one backlink from like the, the New York times and boom, your traffic goes up by like, you know, 50% in a month or 200%, like who knows? So there's all these different ranking factors.
0: So does that, does that help? Yeah. It sounds like one of those things too, where you almost have to tick talk back and forth between the on page and off page or vice versa where, you know, if you're just starting off, Like you said, it doesn't matter what product you got the best product descriptions you want. You could have videos and testimonials and everything. But if no one's linking to you, you're just not going to rank if you have a brand new site. So you start off there, get some traffic, get ranked somewhere in Google for some, you know, bizarre little long-term keyword and then start working that on from the on page. And then at some point when you get something ranking TikTok back and say, okay, let's get some backlinks, maybe to these individual product pages, because that's another way of doing it. Right. People aren't linking to your root domain. They're actually linking to like a deep link into, Hey, here, you know, maybe someone else is doing that article on top 10 Mother's day gifts, right. They might be linking to specific products on your page. And when they do that, that page gets the authority, right? So then you can kind of, at some point, even try to go deeper than that. Right.
1: Yeah, 100%. You, you had a lot of really, really great points there about like getting uh, backlinks to a specific page because that'll help that page rank versus just to the homepage. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I th- I find that typically, uh, broadly speaking, there might be three situations. One is a, relatively, a, a site that has very few backlinks or domain authority. Therefore, in that instance, I would want to focus on building backlinks primarily to the point where I wouldn't even, I mean, unless there's like, the, there's no keyword research and no optimization. You know, if there's something, some kind of starting ground, I would focus primarily on link building on well, um, the, the other main, end of
0: spectrum. Go ahead. The nice thing I was going to say is a lot of the e-commerce platforms nowadays, so they do somewhat of a job right already where it's not like, um, you're not, you know, you don't go to the site and it has like no title tag at all. They generate something. They put something reasonable in there based off a product, you know, name, that sort of thing. So like you already start, you start off better today than you did before just based on the platforms are all, you know, whether you think Shopify or commerce, or Magento, they all do something pretty well now, which is nice. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. No, you, that's great. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is about keyword research Yep. because you know, you might uh, have a, a title or a name of the product uh, that people are searching for something else or there's another opportunity with like long tail keyword, but you're right. I, I mean, that's a great point.
0: No, how do you actually start? So when you start talking about getting backlinks, um, kind of like we we're talking about before, They used to be, Hey, just, you know, get some people were spinning up some blog somewhere that had no content on it and they would just link to a site. And it was just like a link farm basically. And somehow that would make you rank better. And that was like a thing for a while. That's no longer a thing. Don't do that. It's a bad idea, but like, what is the right way of doing that now in 2018, 2019?
1: In an ideal world, and it depends on the size of your company and the uh, resources and budget you have, in an ideal world, um, okay, let's go to even a, a very perfect world, you would attract backlinks to your website naturally because the value and quality of what you're doing and what you're offering to visitors to the site, to customers, everyone is so highly valuable that people are like, I need to link to them. Like a great example, well we can just, I mean, it's not really fair to talk about Amazon because that's Amazon. It's like they're in so many levels above what you know, smaller, medium businesses are at. But if you think about it, they're not like doing link building, right? Or sometimes I use the example of, um, uh, well, you can think of like any authoritative website, like New York Times is not Wikipedia, they're not do. But again, these are the, the most authoritative sites on the web. But I think that's something to aspire to. How do we get to that place where people want to link to us because it's so valuable, so resourceful and so awesome. Um, but if we go a level down, right, because let's come back to reality, we're not that. Um, then we can look at again, the highest end I would say is PR is Uh, there's a story that, uh, hit the, um, you know, the press, uh, and again, maybe you're getting a backlink from entrepreneur magazine or from Huffington post or from those kinds of sites. Now those, even those sites have gotten abused with backlinks. A lot of them have been made no follow, which basically tells Google don't count this link because people are gaming that system. People are paying money to get a link from the Huffington post or from entrepreneur magazine. Oh, I mean, I can't even make these claims because I I can't say definitively, but I mean, I kind of know what's what's happening out there and those kinds of things are happening. Um, so that would be like the highest levels like PR, you know, getting uh, having a story, getting links from the news, from the media um, or from other, you know, bloggers and websites like that. Like that would be the next level down.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. I recently um I bought a little uh, airware air quality monitor. So it's, it's in the office and it kind of tells you, you know, whether your air is toxic or not, that sort of thing. And I found it through people were blogging about it and they were linking to it and they were just talking about it. So I don't think it was something they were paying. They were like necessarily like buying that backlink, but they have a cool product. It's worth talking about. People did reviews on these different air quality monitors and they just linked right to their site. And that's how I ended up finding that um, just on different people talking about it.
1: Yeah. And that's a great point. So on the one hand there's affiliate links. Um, On the other hand, especially, you know, for e-commerce business owners or marketers, you have an opportunity to send samples to influencers. You have an opportunity to send, you know, uh, just basically a free product to anyone who has an authoritative website that might, or that you might kind of have like a, what's the word, a relationship or a deal where like, hey, I'm going to send you this free $50 product. Would you please write a review about it? And, and there are some websites, some like mom bloggers, for instance, that make their whole kind of like living on that kind of relationship. And they're getting cool free stuff. They're writing reviews and everyone's happy. So that's definitely something to leverage. Obviously, you know, maybe you have to give away X number of products. And it depends, right? If you have a $1,000 product, you're not giving, probably giving a bajillion of those away. But if you have like a, a $10, $20 project, uh, product, you know, you can, you know, set aside a budget and give a lot of those away, talk to those influencers, talk to those bloggers and see what you can do so that they might write a review for you. And boom, now you have links and now you can scale that up because it could be a very virtuous cycle, um, uh, where, you know, you're getting more links. Now you're getting more traffic. Now you're getting more revenue. Now you have more money that you might allocate to getting more people to, you know, review your product and get more links. Now the caveat is it's I make that sound line very easy. I don't want to fool people. It takes time. It takes work. You have to do it right. You have to learn, you know, I have to build those relationships you have to, you know, but I mean, ultimately it, it can uh, be a self-perpetuating cycle.
0: Yeah. It, the one thing that's harder, more difficult with that. So with my example of like the air filter, they have maybe three SKUs. That's it. Um, they build these, they're the only ones with these, that sort of thing. How do you do this when it comes to like a drop shipping, something or where, you know, people are just resell like resellers of a product and not creating their own products. Cause at that it's first harder to send samples. It's a little harder to differentiate yourself. Like are there any kind of things you can do to stand out from the pack? Because there'll be a lot of people selling that exact same product. Do you have any kind of tips around that?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely more challenging if you're reselling the same product, because you know, if uh, there are much bigger companies or e-commerce sites basically selling more or less the exact same product, Great question. How do you differentiate? So I think that it's a higher level business question as well. But um, I think, you know, I think a, uh, for, I'll just give you I'll just give you an example. I think a great way to differentiate is if you had some kind of free tool or free calculator. Um, you know, that could be a valuable thing that people might link back to people might find valuable. People might talk about share on social might uh, create more awareness and get more backlinks. Another idea. I mean, people have done infographics in the past. Those have become a little played out. Right. We've seen infographics forever. Um, What else, I mean, again, I think content or valuable resources. I saw, um, uh, well this is actually one of our clients, they have, uh, I think it's an affiliate site in the mattress space, but their reviews, like so basically from a content standpoint, their content is so ridiculously in depth, and like, have you ever gone to you know a page like that where someone like slept on the mattress for weeks, and then they talked about it, and wrote about it, and all the pros and all the cons, and like their full experience? You know, and then you have this like really long report you can't find anywhere where else on the web. And then when ser- someone is searching for you know insert product name and the the word reviews, or insert product name uh, and you know, I, there's just these opportunities where uh, as an entrepreneur, as a business person. You have to try to find, you know, if the other four competitors in your space are not doing anything around this, right? There's a great opportunity. They're not doing content or there would be this helpful, valuable tool or calculator. Nobody's doing right. Maybe you strategically say to yourself, I'm going to build this, uh, you know, on-site opportunity, uh, and then, you know, try to get more awareness and promote it and get more links to it.
0: Yeah. I like the idea of actually using content in e-commerce. I feel like a lot of folks just kind of, use the products themselves, kind of just dump it on there and hope it's going to work, but actually like at some point you need to create your own, you need to create something. Um, If you're not creating your own products, you might need to create your own content, create your own something and building your own like lists reviews, anything like that. Some kind of long form content that's unique to you, to your site. um, That's now an asset. That's something that it's yours. It belongs to you. Um, I guess something, you know, someone could steal it, but it is still yours and you are like, you're the owner of that. Your site's the owner of that. So it's not something that everyone has access to is my point there. Um, and that seems like one of those things that you, you basically need that for SEO to work. You need your own assets.
1: Yeah. You need to create value. And you know, the, the thing is, it's, it's easy for us to talk about these big ideas, but to go and execute them and put the time in and the work in and then, you know, and as, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you put a ton of time into something and it doesn't really work. Or you thought it would work in three months and it takes two years uh, to, to get the results. But yeah, it's ultimately about creating value, right? Charles, like yep. in business, we've gotta create value. We've gotta give away this amazing awesomeness to start you know, drawing people back. It's about marketing too, in that sense, um, or paying it forward or uh, however you wanna look at it, right? But the more you give, the more you'll ultimately get it's just sometimes really hard to make that commitment to put in that capital to put in those hours to build something from you know the ground up or, or that sort of thing. But yeah, that's basically how I feel about it. I think that's what, if you look at the sites that do the best with SEO and you look at what they have. Another idea I had was like a community, you know, there are all those baby websites where you Google some like weird string of long tail keywords like, you know, baby not drinking milk, whatever. And then you get some like these forum posts from all these moms, you know, around the world. And it's like, well, if there's a community, I mean, again, easy for me to say this much harder to build, you know, the community itself, get people actively participating. But again, thinking outside the box of how to create value and create, like you said, assets, I think is the perfect word for it.
0: The other thing I think people don't, um, they kind of underestimate is one asset built into e-commerce that everyone has but doesn't realize is the actual, um, internal link structure of your own site. And that right there, I feel like that's one of those things that everyone has something. You just come up initially, you just like come up with some basic structure, like large, medium, small, some, I don't know, some structure. That's extremely simple. And you start categorizing products. But if you actually spend time doing that, I feel like that in itself is its own asset really where somebody can come and say um, I've talked about on the show before, back in the day, we sold um, popcorn machines, different sizes, you come and say, I want a four ounce, six ounce, eight ounce, and that you could do a machine that wants this, that. And you would kind of just drill down through the navigation. And that in itself um, became its own thing because people came to the site saying, I want to see eight ounce Popcorn machines. And then we listed them all there on one page. And because the internal linking, each one of those was its own page. And we had a lot of, and a lot of this was the same products were in different pages, but it generated its own categories basically. And they were very um, specific. So that each category itself became its own, own long tail page.
1: One hundred percent, yeah, and I, I, that's a great point. I'm gr- glad you brought that up. And another thing you really want to think about, like when when I when I do these when I'm working on something, I really want to think long term and just doing it right once, rather than just like you know adding on stuff over the course of time. Like let's just like get clarity on the opportunity so that we can really attack it. So keyword research, right? If we really do it thoroughly, get a long list of keywords, get all the keywords from competitors and other similar sites, we come up with ideas, we use our own data, uh, or maybe if we've been running uh, Google ads, we pull all that data together. We want to organize those keywords into clusters and we want to map them to either pages that don't exist or uh, pages that need to be optimized for those keywords. When we start there and it doesn't mean, you know, let, let's say your site has 500 products and we found keywords for 300 and the other you know, a couple hundred didn't really have a keyword or the, the search volume was like close to zero. Like, no, it's okay. Like you can still put on the site and there's nothing wrong with it. But if you have that clarity, uh, like let's say we're talking about screwdrivers, right? And so maybe the broad category is like screwdrivers and then you drill down into like flathead screwdrivers and Phillips screwdrivers. And then you can drill down even further from there. I don't even know what a, what a next of like comfortable or uh, what small Phillips head screwdrivers, like who the heck knows, right? You get that whole structure and actually kind of lays out and dictates to you what you need to optimize for. And you need to have a page that's, you know, so you want the category at the the highest, broadest level. And then you want some of those subcategories or the actual product pages being more towards those specific keywords. And like you said, the long tail keywords, it's really interesting in the e-commerce space. I mean. I remember speaking to someone a year or two ago, and they were selling some weird kind of like car parts. And they had like, I don't know, tens of thousands, some ridiculous amount. And they would get this long tail traffic from people just searching part numbers, right? And there's e-commerce businesses out there where someone puts in some weird like long string of funky thing that they can't really find anywhere else. And these guys, you know, these the, each one of these kinds of long tail keywords might get zero to three searches a month or five but because they had tens of thousands or whatever you know they would get all of this traffic and i, I don't even think you know like those pages were that like well done but it's not like there's no one else offering those products so there's a lot of ways you can attack this for sure
0: yeah i've even done that on the consumer side before where you're looking for this obscure little part and you actually don't even care the site it's just you need i needed a, uh, a washer inside my dishwasher one time and it's like this deep thing inside there. And I was just willing to buy it from anyone who had it. Um, for 10 bucks, five bucks. Yeah, yeah it literally. <laughs> it was like irrelevant how much money it costs. Uh, it was a, you know, 30 cent part, but my dishwasher didn't work without it. And all you need to do is pop it out, put a new one in. It was a very specific size. And that was one of those things. I was just looking for a, um, KitchenAid K whatever, and this long string. And I just popped that into Google and whatever came up. Great. Let's buy, <laughs> let's buy the washer from you. And, that's one of the kind of that example right there of, you know, if someone just lists every KitchenAid pie for every dishwasher ever invented, you're going to get people looking for some obscure um, washer that you can probably sell for five dollars and get for thirty-seven cents, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think the opportunities again, that that's a great example and a great story about this. So I, I think the the um, the greatest opportunities for any e-commerce uh, business really depends on on the one hand where they are currently for with SEO, right? So if they need backlinks or if they uh, need to optimize or do some keyword research for their product pages, or like you said, the internal linking structure, like there's all these different areas that could, so it depends on one, where they are and two, what the competition looks like. Because if, you know, you're looking at page one for one of your most important products and there's these other, uh, gorillas or, you know, David and Goliath thing, you have to realize like, man, you know, they're dominating position one and two and three and four. And like, you, you know, it might, some of these might be a lost cause for where you are, depending on how small or large you are. And maybe there's these other opportunities that are less competitive, or maybe it's content opportunities, or, you know, maybe it's those long tail, like examples we've been talking about. So it's really gonna vary from company to company, what their opportunities are with SEO.
0: Yeah. So you probably don't want to actually try to rank for Phillips screwdriver. That one, right there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, like Amazon and Sears probably have that like on lockdown. Don't do that. But if it's some obscure right-hand drive screwdriver for lefties on this bizarre, you know, torque, a whatever, um, side that you might actually have a shot, um, or writing piece of content on why a, you know, right-hand drive screwdriver is, is a thing like why that exists. That's the kind of stuff you're talking about on you could still, you know, you could rank better than Amazon or Sears just because you're actually writing content for about right-hand drive torque screwdrivers on, on some obscure, you know, some very obscure topic. And if you've ever tried, if you need a right-hand drive, you know, screwdriver, you know, it is something you actually need, but it's just not something that Amazon's going after.
1: Exactly. Um, I, I just did that search for Phillips screwdriver, uh, like Home Depot's up there, Amazon's up there. Uh, Lowe's is up there huge huge companies you know you can imagine what and the thing is like I I was saying they don't they're not putting well, they could be but they're probably not putting an SEO budget towards link building because they have that brand they've done that heavy lifting way back when to kind of build up their name maybe it was PR maybe it was trust because their products were good their customer service whatever so over time they've acquired those links and they've and, and Google does look at brands. So if I were creating a new e-commerce company tomorrow, I would not want it to be, you know, Phillips had right-handed Phillips head screwdrivers.com. Like that's an exact match domain, which there's debate, you know, but from my point of view and from Google's, you know, which is Google going to trust more like, uh, you know, sneakers.com or BestSneakers.com or nike.com. And that's not a, a fair comparison. Cause we're talking about Nike versus like whatever, but Google, you know, Google's relatively intelligent and can get a sense of this is a brand. This is an entity that I've seen around the web. People keep talking about this brand, this company. So again, it's about, I guess, big picture, what we're kind of agreeing and coming towards is like creating value, creating assets, making, uh, valuable things that people want to share want to link to and Google wants to rank because it's helpful, whether that's content, whether it's, um, tons of product pages that are obscure, uh, washers for a dishwasher.
0: So do you, so yeah. And I totally agree that after, um, after some time you kind of just become one of the people in that list of top 10, if someone writes a blog post about top 10 sneaker companies, you put Nike Reebok, whatever. And you just become in that list of everyone just has you on the list. So you just keep getting like, it's a snowball thing where it just keeps building itself, right? Where people link to Nike, just as an example of a sneaker company now, but let's say you're just starting off um, very beginning here. Is there any sort of, and I remember this existed back in the day, some sort of like little penalty box where you don't even like, you know, new domain, you just went to GoDaddy, bought you, bought you little domain, put your site up. Is there some sort of time it's going to take just to even like, show up in a search result. And then at that point, what kind of investment in time are we talking about here? Is this days, weeks, months, like, like what, what would be a reasonable expectation someone just starting off with SEO should expect to put into this?
1: Yeah, these are great questions. So, um, for the first part, like if I buy a domain, uh, today, um, you know, I'm starting my e-commerce company, call it something.com. It has no backlinks, It has Google hasn't even seen or crawled it or indexed it, there's no content, there's nothing, right? Let's say I, and this is the great thing about your own website, is you have the power to go in there and make a change today and change the content, change the product, change whatever. So let's say I had done a ton of keyword research, created all these optimized pages, built the whole site, got it designed, got it, and launched the entire site like perfectly beautifully online. Uh, let's say two weeks from now, four weeks from now, a site is there, content is great, um, you know, everything is beautiful. Without any links, it's not going to rank. Um, it, you know, you can you can look at the data uh, in Google Search Console, and you know, you could see maybe you are getting some impressions. Maybe you're on page ten, you know, but no one's going to page ten and clicking on your website in page ten. Everyone's going to page one, the first few links, and that's it. Um, so. You know, a month out, two months, three months out, if you're doing no link building, you're really not gonna get any traction. Um, so, you know, and that's the other thing we didn't really talk too much about, but if you are a smaller company, you do wanna do things like whether it's guest posting, whether it's podcast interviews, whether it's, uh, there's a lot of tactics that we didn't get into, but we could talk about that. Uh, time horizon is over the course of months, and I do look at over the course of one years, two years, three years. Uh, for a lot of people, uh, people who want to scale fast, you know, SEO is probably not the best way to go if you're looking to just ramp up sales, you know, like two X your sales, you know, whatever, like every quarter or every, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, I like, I like steady growth. I like, um, high ROI cause SEO is certainly high ROI. Like if you start acquiring traffic to your site, you can turn off your SEO effort and it will keep getting traffic. You know, uh, there's a website I worked on that, from, I haven't done any SEO for two years, and it still gets 20,000 organic visitors every month. Just keep showing up, keep coming from the investment I had made like three years ago. Um, So yeah, time horizon, again, it really depends on like your uh, effort and resources and what you're putting into it is basically what you're gonna get out of it. But you know, for us, for me as a consultant for for my agency, we look at a six month and a 12 month time period. And that's what people, you know, we're really like putting the time in uh, specializing in it, making the investment. So, um, six months, 12 months, 18 months. And that's the challenge is, you know, if you're doing paid traffic, you can very quickly see what's working, what's not, what's the ROI within a matter sometimes of days or less, right? With SEO, you might make an initiative today and, and do it over the course of one month or two months or three months. And then you're kind of waiting to see, you know, is Google starting to rank it higher? Are we starting to get more traffic? How are we doing it?
0: One little thing I found, this is complete aside, but something I've always done is because you have that sort of long time horizon, there's a very good chance. You completely forget what you did today. I um, forget what you did six months ago or 12 months ago. So what I've always done is actually every time we make any change that could impact SEO, we go into Google analytics and annotate that day, what we did, just some basic description so we understand, okay, we changed all title tags and appended them with X on you know, six months ago. And then if you start to see, you know, the graph move at some point and you run your analytics and you start wondering, why'd this happen? Like before we did that, we had no idea ever. It was just like, why'd that happen? And you just kind of went like that. And you know, no one knew, but after ever since we knew that whole annotation thing, we can look back and say, why'd that happen? And then make some reasonable guesses, like might be related to this and then try again and do some other thing around that. And kind of this like, iterative testing process I've learned that as long as you note those things down, you can kind of expand upon them in the future. That's a great point. Yeah. And and I honestly didn't even know about that feature
1: till like a year ago. And then a client was putting those annotate. I was like, this is great. I could say I made all these changes, put that note into analytics. Then when you look back and sometimes you might've done nothing and you see some jump or some change. And then I'm trying to go back and investigate like what happened, what changed? And sometimes it's offsite. Sometimes you got a backlink or something happened you know, might've been externally or something you didn't know. But yeah, I think that that's a great point because again, you really do want to see what's driving impact.
0: Any good tools you use to track backlinks or anything like that. Um, I know Moz, Ahrefs, that sort of thing. Any of those you recommend like dislike? Exactly. Yeah. I use Ahrefs. Uh, I use SEMrush, um, Moz.
1: I love their brand. I don't use their software, um, but it that's good too. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of others. Like I don't even know because it just becomes as infinite list of like all these SEO software companies doing but really with the va- you know majestic would be another one but really the value is how many how much of the web they can crawl uh so that they can find those links because the problem is Google uh Google's not even crawling the entire web um and then let's say Google's crawling a percentage and then Ahrefs I think is probably crawling like 30% of what Google's crawling You know, and then you might have smaller companies are doing less of the web. So maybe Majestic is doing, you know, a a smaller portion of what age. So you want to basically find one of those tools that has a big enough index that they're catching and finding those links because web is huge, you know, and you could put a link on one of your pages on your site today. Google might not come back and crawl it for who knows. It depends on the site, right? If it's a small, tiny site, could be weeks, could be longer. You know, if it's a big site,
0: like could be within hours. And it depends also there's a number of factors on even how often you change those pages. I've realized like if you have a front page that's changing every day, they come back more often because they realize each time they come back, that's another change. They come back more often. But if you have that product page for that washer that you haven't changed in four years, they probably don't hit that page every day. It's just a waste of time. They know that. So they optimize based on those sort of things as well. I've kind of come to find from, you know, looking at server logs,
1: yeah, hundred percent. Um, and they'll give you that data as well in search Console, so you can see, you know, how many pages they're crawling every day. And I've actually found, so for smaller sites, it doesn't seem to be a problem for bigger sites. Let's say of an e-commerce site with 10,000 plus pages. Uh, you do want to look at, you know, like crawl budget or, you know, there's e-commerce sites with millions of pages, right? And for sites like those, they're not even getting all their pages actually indexed. There's pages on the site that Google has never come to and never seen because Google has to allocate their resources across the whole web and there might not, you know, if your site is that huge, Google's not going to put all their crawling effort into your site if it's not an Amazon or, you know what I mean? So, uh, definitely, yeah, very important things to consider for sure.
0: Yeah. We've seen that with, um, people doing drop shipping and they go to manufacturers. Each one has, you know, a list of 500, 800,000 products, and they just maybe go to five different ones and dump them all on their site and then wonder why, there's no pages that are really ranking that well. Well, you've, you know, just created 3 million pages. um, And maybe some, like you said, maybe some Google will stumble upon, but there's other ones that don't. Um, So we've seen that even here as well, of people just kind of flooding their site with pages and then realizing like, maybe you want to pull back and say, let's start with 10,000 or five, whatever the number is. Start with something that's reasonable and focus on that and then try to grow from there slowly over time and just not, Dump on, you know, a million pages day one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point about dropshipping. And I haven't thought
1: a lot about drop shipping, but now that you keep bringing it up, it really makes me realize how important it is to differentiate, how important it is to have something different. Because if, if you're a dropshipper and 10 other people can be dropshippers or 100 other people can be dropshippers, you know, you have all this competition and some of those guys might have more backlinks. They might have been around three years longer, five years longer, 10 years longer than you have. Uh, so you really have to figure out what is your differentiating value? Uh, can you take the time to maybe write some customized product descriptions or some fresh content or, you know, build a bigger brand, get some PR, like there has to be something different. Otherwise, why is Google going to rank you over the other 20 drop shippers that have the same exact product? Yeah, that's a great point.
0: Have you, have you ever seen anyone and this is kind of a, a newer thing with Amazon where folks are kind of white sourcing their own product, white labeling, it's selling on Amazon. So it's a product page, but they kind of like own that product page. They're the only ones. Um, they have um, brand protection on Amazon. So they don't listen on that page, but it is an Amazon page. Do you see any folks doing SEO on those pages and basically using amazon.com as their like trusted domain, but they control the content?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's something that I have no experience in, or I'm not an expert in, but the interesting thing about SEO is it's not really just for Google. Like you said, it's for Amazon. If I'm searching for best men's razor, there's a whole competition on the search results within Amazon for that. Or if I'm searching on Google, you know, maybe Google, Amazon's going to list a specific product page. So within the platform itself, like Amazon, you can do SEO within Amazon. Uh, and that's not just Amazon, you know, for apps, right? If I'm on the uh, Apple app store, uh, and, I'm, you know, I want to rank for, I don't know, whatever my game is, like shooting game, then, you know, there's SEO for that. Right. What are those ranking factors? Uh, and all of those algorithms have their own way of doing it. So Amazon's algorithm, uh, very different from Google's. You know, maybe it's also number of reviews and how high is your score and how I mean they probably have also a very sophisticated algorithm with a lot of different rank factors, which you would need to figure out what are the ones I need to pay the most attention to. But certainly that's that's an area that I've seen some growth in uh i mean it's almost like anything that will show you any search results and rank them in an order for you is like seo or is like an algorithm even platforms like upwork or clarity.fm i don't know if you heard of those um they're all algorithms you know say linkedin like even linkedin's newsfeed and of course facebook right those are algorithms and there's ranking factors within those algorithms so i started going on a
0: tangent but yeah like amazon and those for sure no it's a great point because even great example podcast rankings on iTunes. If you go <laughs> right. and search there, it turns out their algorithm is actually not that sophisticated. It's pretty. <laughs> so it's there's like so... what the number of downloads. Yeah. Of yeah. It's very basic and people like still like keyword stuff and do some like very like, it's like, it's almost like Google like 10 years ago. It was basically like the iTunes podcast search right now. It's, and it's bizarre that it's still that like, well, because arcade. they don't have as many people trying to game it. Yes. That's the that, and That's a thing. It's, some of those smaller platforms is not even people trying to game it. So they're much simpler. So trying to go and game Google right now, you're not going to do it. But if you are in some trying to game the Upwork search, you might actually be able to, which is kind of the interesting thing to that too, on it's, it's just less competitive. Um, and like you said, these are all their own version of SEO. So sometimes even not playing in like the, the Google Yahoo, Bing type pool, you're actually more, you're trying to compete on Amazon and maybe that's just, you know, less competition. Instead of you're competing with everyone for that same washer page, that KitchenAid washer, there might only be, you know, half a dozen people selling on Amazon and you know, you're going to be, there's only half a dozen people. You'll be in top 10 automatically. And it's a lot yeah. easier to compete in that small pool sometimes and they're just less sophisticated.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And your market's there. Buyers are there. People trust Amazon. They're going on Amazon. They're looking for products that you sell. And if you could rank there again, it, it becomes more competitive, right? If we're going after highly competitive things. But like you said, if it's very specific products like that washer, you know, those will be less competitive
0: naturally. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. God, I, think, I think that's helpful, Tom. And, uh, definitely, I think, uh, maybe we'll do a show we'll do a show a year from now. We we'll talking about how to rank well on Amazon and that'll be, both. <laughs> well, maybe, Google SEO might be dead, but then we'll have Amazon SEO and you know <laughs> Jet.com and SEO. Not gonna be SEO. dead, Charles. Not yeah, it won't won't be it's dead, just but
1: voice search, you know be voice search SEO.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe that's next year we'll be talking about that. So Yeah. <laughs> awesome. If people want to find you, find more about you, where can they uh, reach you? Yeah, so the name of my company is Shore Oak. That's S-U-R-E-O-A-K,
1: like an oak tree. My name is Tom Cassano. You can Google me. You can Google the company. I'm on LinkedIn, so please connect with me on LinkedIn or find my website. I mean, you know how it is, Charles. We're all over the web, right? You just search a name. You can find like. So, yeah, please connect with me. And, and thanks for listening. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks. It was great talking with you. Thanks so much, Charles. Okay.
0: Okay.